From the Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia, CBS Sports proudly presents the 1993 Masters Tournament. Well, it's a Sunday of splendor at golf's most enchanted theater. Happy holidays to you from the Augusta National Golf Club. David Loggins' lyrics to this music read, Augusta, your dogwoods and pines, they play on my mind like a song. And it's a day like this, deep blue skies and warm Georgia sunshine that assures you you'll never forget Sunday at the Masters, where the world's most famous golfers meet again. The weather is simply spectacular. Sunny and warm, 80 degrees, the warmest weather of the week. And the action is heating up. Can you believe it? A four-shot lead for Bernard Longer is now down to one. Dan Forsman, three under on the day, has just birdied the seventh to move within one. Tom Lehman on a roll also, but this just seconds ago. Forsman at the seventh. That got him to eight under as he approaches the par five eighth, only one back of Bernard Longer. And Tom Lehman is five under today. Chip Beck has made two big putts for saving pars at five and six. He's three off the lead. And John Daly eagled the second today. He got home in two with a driver and a six iron. And John Daly cannot be ruled out. Olaf Fabel's playing the 15th. He's knocked it over to the green at the 15th in two. It's a par five, so he could have a birdie opportunity coming up. Seve's playing the 13th. That'll be a critical hole for Ballesteros, who is three under today. Scott Simpson. He's also in the picture at minus four with Steve Elkington right where he started. Lanny Watkins even par today. And Ray Floyd even on the front, minus three. Russ Cochran has dropped the shot. And Fred Couples playing 16. Fred, the defending champion, two under today. Greg Norman not making the Sunday rally many expected. He is one over today, two under for the tournament. Anders Forsbrand, what a pace he set. He shot 66 earlier today, did Forsbrand. Hello and welcome to episode number 45 of the Legend of Muslim Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Pankari and Brandon Manitoba. Joining me on a frigid day out in Regina with his dog, Edgar, in the background, it is Mark Smith. Mark, how are things out there? I'm good. Yeah, it's cold, but it uh, looks like it's supposed to warm up this weekend, so I- I'm liking that. I think Edgar will like that as well, as he's a little stir-crazy right now. Yeah, so if you hear a squeaking noise in the background, that's the dog. Anyway... Uh, this episode, Mark and I have been playing to do for at least nine years. Uh, we are looking at the 1993 edition of the Masters. This was originally supposed to be done around Masters Week in Easter last year, but with our schedules, we haven't had time to do it until now. So let's fill you in a little bit on what's going on with this one. But actually, I guess the first question is, Mark, how familiar were you with this edition of the tournament before we watched it? I knew Bernard Longer won his second, but uh, that was about it uh, after I dove in a bit more it was he kind of ran away with it in the, the back nine so mm-hmm. um it was it was, it was it was it was a good one to, to watch and, and kind of see how dominant he was uh in, in this tournament mm-hmm. so we'll fill you in a little bit more into details here uh the tournament itself ran from april 8th to 11th 1993 of course looking at the final round which was posted on youtube uh according to the Atlanta journal constitution they were saying that nick faldo and defending champion fred couples were the odds makers favorites with davis love the third also in the mix as one of the contenders couples interviewed for the paper said that greg norman was a contender at the masters no also nick price in the mix to winning the players championship on a lead up to this at TBC Sawgrass. And Tom Kite, the U.S. Open champ, who's also a contender, but he's dealing with back spasms. So, a pretty, as we'll see as we go through the results here, a pretty strong field all the way through. Yeah, it, 
it definitely was. And that leaderboard, as it played out on on Sunday as well, was it was loaded. Like there was guys uh, up and down the list that uh, you recognize their name, you know their name, and uh, but uh, they all kind of bowed out to uh, Bernard as the the back nine unfolded. Mm-hmm. Speaking of land journal constitution, from the article for their TV and radio stuff in the sports section from Prentice Rogers, uh, their TV radio guy for the sports section. Uh, Writing about Mr. Hello Friends, Jim Nance. Nance, meanwhile, has clearly shifted his attention to the Masters, complete with wearing a green sweater and khaki-colored pants. But there are some leftover feelings about Monday night's NCAA championship game that won't go away. Quote, I was hoping for a word of Michigan's Chris Weber afterward, but he was locked in the assistant coach's office, and when he came out, he was surrounded by family members and a friend, and I couldn't get to him. It was a pathetic scene. I really don't care who wins the game, but I remember not feeling great all that night. Just imagining Mr. Hello Friends saying, quote, a pathetic scene just broke me. <laughs> and the way he elegantly starts this broadcast, too, it's, it's kind of funny that that's where he was at uh, just a little bit before this. Oh, man. Anyway, in the first round, uh, Lee Jansen, Tom Lehman, Larry Mize, Jack Nicholson, Corey Pavin, all shooting five under par. Ray Floyd, John Houston, and Lawner one shot back. Arnold Palmer, who last made a cut at the Masters in 1983, rattled off three birdies in a row to start the day. So everyone's all fired up about that. He ends up shooting two over par and would miss the cut. Uh, the second round wasn't done until Saturday morning due to rain. Jeff Maggard, who was at two under on day one, uh, shoots seven under to take the lead. Uh, for- Dan Forsman and Bernhard Longer or one back at six under. Uh, Chip Beck shoots a 67, but he's also the par three winner from earlier this week. So that's the curse of death. It's two shots back of the, of the field. Uh, also of note, at this point, Curtis Strange um, withdrew to a wrist, a wrist injury. Among those leaders in the first day, Jansen's at four unders. He was one over par in the day, while Tom Lane ended up at three over. Larry Mice, two over. Jack Nichols, three over. And Corey Payton, three over for their rounds. Missing the cut, which is at three over par. Paul Aisner, Ben Crenshaw by a shot. Tom Kite by four. Arnold Palmer by five. And Nick Price did not ride the momentum from his Sean showing at the players. Sticks over par. No amateurs made the cut as well this year. The highest was Justin Leonard, who was two strokes back of the cut. Any thoughts on the first two rounds there, Mark? Well, the showing that the players isn't a major, that uh, <laughs> the Players' Championship winner does not make the cut at the Masters. Shame. <laughs> uh, in the third round, Longer shoots a three under par round, a 6-9 to t- go to nine under par. Also makes a really great chip out at 11, which is shown at the end of the broadcast in the highlights of the week. Uh, Beck and Forsman are in second place at 5-under, while Russ Cochran, Steve Elkington, Lanny Watkins, and Jeff Mager, who shot 75 on Saturday, are at 4-under par. Of the three main... Exactly. Of the three men contenders at this point, Longer, of course, won the match in 1985 by two shots over seven Ballesteros, Curtis Strange, and Raymond Floyd. Uh, his best other major results were second in the 81 and 84 British Open. Chip Beck, tied for second at the 86 U.S. Open and the 89 U.S. Open, was also tied for the 1990 PGA Championship. His best master result was the 1989 tournament, where he finished in a tie for eight. He also shot a round of 59 in the third round of the 1991 Vegas Invitational. That's some results you need to look up at some point, kids, because the under par for that tournament is absolutely stupid. Also, Wikipedia informs me that he was a key player in the 1991 Ryder Cup. While Forsman, probably the least known of that three, I would say, he was tied for 7th of the 1992 PGA Championship. So as you heard Mr. Hello Friends tell us, Longer is at, in the intro to this show, Longer's at 9 under now through 6. Uh, Forsman is birdie 7 to get to 8 under. Layman, who's on 13, and Chip Becker at 6 under. John Daly working his way into the mix at minus 5. 
And then you have it four under par, Jose Mario Olafalvo, Sebi Ballesteros, among others like Steve Elkington and Lanny Watkins. So, yeah, it's a pretty strong group overall, like we said. And now it's getting a little bit interesting just because Longer has fallen back to the field a bit, as we'll hear about when we see some of the highlights. Yeah, Longer just couldn't buy anything early on in the round, and uh, everyone kind of came out firing. Um, and he had some guys climb up the leaderboard and get right into the, the mix of things there early on, which is, it makes it always exciting, but... That quickly turns uh, <laughs> as the uh, back nine progresses. Uh, your announced team for this one, Jim Nance is the host on the 10th, is Peter Costas, Vern Lundquist on 11 and 12, Tom Weisskopf on 13th, Bobby Clampett on 14th, Ben Wright on 15th and 16th. The soon-to-be black ball from Augusta, Gary McCord, we're a year away from that, is at 17, and Pat Summerall and Ken Venturi are on 18. Any thoughts on the announced group? We'll get to a little bit more later on when they introduce themselves, but... Tom Weiskopf looked like it took him a few takes to do his intro. <laughs> More on that in a bit. Uh, the intro to the show, as you heard uh, Jim say, Happy Holidays, so the war on Easter has already begun. And they reference lyrics to that damn Augusta song again, if you remember the 1982 show. Sadly did not play it, so <laughs> I was not prepared to hear that again to start the broadcast. So we go to the 15th and Ben right. Old Fobble for birdie. He backs off and then finally shoots it, but it goes straight and st stays straight and left, so he misses. Uh, longer second shot in the seventh is on the top of the green. Uh, long downhill putt ahead. Earlier on 15, Payne Stewart drains an eagle putt to get to minus four. Also, Payne rocking an NFL shirt, which is a very interesting fashion choice. I, I noticed that. I'm like, that. Uh, that's the equivalent of, I, I don't know who it is on the, on the PGA Tour now that wears the MLB branding but it's, it's very funny or or uh, i think siwoo kim's rocking pga tour branded clothing right now so yes uh it's pain stewart trendsetter there with the nfl team, uh, polo for this round uh daily makes a short part putt on 11 or made at five under on seven beck second shot is a little bit closer than longer on the ninth hole uh norman's for birdie from a long way away it breaks rights left and past the hole my notes here hooting and hollering occurs from a soon-to-be four-year-old in northern ireland over norman missing this putt <laughs> i wonder who that could be. <laughs> one for the kids there um he gets par on that one to stay where he is in the board nance then says they're going to break augusta's policy of four commercial minutes per hour is enthusiastically endorsed by cadillac and travelers i I was dying at that line. <laughs> he sold that so hard. Uh, the bat just enthusiastically. <laughs> yeah, they, they were they were more than pleased to give away their money. <laughs> we also get footage of the uh, ceremonial tee shots on Thursday with Gene Saracen, Sam Seen, and Byron Nelson. Someone get tournament chairman Jack Stevens a better mic. That was my other takeaway from that. <laughs> Not a, not a bad point. <laughs> Back to the seventh. Uh, Longer narrowly misses the lawn birdie attempt. Uh, ben Wright calls it, as he gets his par, a strange-looking but effective style of putting. As Longer, as he talked about, had three bouts to the yips at that point, the first starting at the age of 19. Yeah, he, uh, he was holding on. It was a, a variation of the arm lock, it looked like, but like just holding on for dear life on that putter, but it was working. Mm -hmm. On 14th... Uh, Layman gets uh, from 143 yards out of a 9-iron second shot. Pretty nice shot of an 8 feet as we go back to the 7th and Chip Beck has this birdie attempt. And now the birdie putt for Chip Beck. Straight down the slope. There it is. Creeping in the left-hand side door, but they all count. 7 under par for Chip Beck. 
No mistakes from Beck there as that puts him two off for the lead. We get introduced to Jim Nance in the cabin who says, Hi, everybody. So we're not quite at Hello Friends mode yet. We're still a few ways from that. Mark and I will eventually get to the debut of Hello Friends at some point on this podcast. Also, Longer with the largest 54-hole lead since 1980. That was when Seve was 7-up on something called an Ed Fiore. He would beat Gibby <laughs> Gilbert and Jack Newton by four shots that year. Uh, you kind of alluded to longer struggles here early. We get a bunch of clips here uh, of what was going on during this round uh, before the TV cover started. Norman with a dramatic chip in. It gets a four under after two holes. Longer misses a par putt that was just kind of off of the green and off of the fringe. That dropped him to eight under on the first. Lanny Watkins with a long birdie on two to get the five under. Longer than in the bunker at the par five second. Gets a nice shot. Set up a birdie and get back to minus nine. Back of a long putt for Eagle. Right around where Watkins was, but he just missed. That would have put him at 7 under. He birdies to get to minus 6. On the third hole, a nice approach shot by Longer, but he misses the birdie and gets par. Back on the 3, makes a real nice birdie putt to get to minus 7. And then fours him a great approach shot at 5, birdie, which got him to minus 7 at that point. So kind of like what you were saying earlier with Longer, he was he had opportunities to kind of stand or keep that lead steady, but just wasn't going for him early on. Yeah, he was just kind of nothing dropping. Uh, couldn't really get into a, a groove. Uh, and everyone else is, is making some stuff to, to kind of close that gap a little bit and put some pressure on him going into the back nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talking about Layman earlier. Jim Nance mentions two years ago the leading winner on the Be- money winner of the Ben Hogan Tour. Let's remember some tour names. <laughs> hey, uh, bring back the Ben Hogan Tour. It's better than the Cornberry Tour. <laughs> <laughs> Web.com trooper right here, me. Anyway, <laughs> to the eight pole for, uh, Forsman. Uh, Pretty nice approach shot uh, to set things up there uh, for a possible birdie there on eight. We'll get to in a little bit. Um, on 14, Payne for Lehman. His birdie attempts to lips out on the right side. He made that. He would have been two shots back. Uh, Fred Couples uh, shanks a par putt to drop the minus one of bogey on 17. We also get our first introduction to Gary McCord, who we'll hear shortly. And my main takeaway is he sounds like a bootleg Dennis Miller. Not a bad Wow, that is the best comparison I've ever heard, but also love it. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of McCord, we're now going to go to him now as you come back from a commercial break as Forsman has a birdie attempt. Some thought Bernard Longer might run away with this golf tournament, but this putt could tie Dan Forsman for the lead. Out to the eighth with Gary McCord. Oh, that pin is back in the left-hand portion of the screen. Everything feeds from the top right of the screen down to that position. Let's go to the ninth hole. Payne, that goes left, and that would have tied it up, but that ends up being a par. Walking to a short birdie, he takes it, gets a five under. McCord, Forsman and Chip Beck, both quiet kids. Beckman is 37 and Forsman is 35. As someone who's about to turn 35 in a few weeks, I hope somebody calls me a kid at some point in the next couple weeks. As someone who is 35, I do not feel like a kid. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pat Summerall then informs us we're going to see Russ Cochran at 9. We do not see Russ Cochran at 9. <laughs> there was a few of these. The broadcast was a little iffy on this. And there was graphics popping up. They're cutting. And I remember someone putted. They clipped. Went to something else, then came right back to the green. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit later. I know which one you're referring to. I think part of it is to do with the slow play of Beck and Longer, which we'll get to a bit here later on. Yeah. Um, The announcers then introduced themselves. Uh, As you mentioned about Tom Weisskopf, he uses way too many words to describe the 13th hole. 
so many like it's the best hole on the course and he just butchers his description of it bobby clampett looks like a bootleg lindsey buckingham uh fleetwood <laughs> mac and the real mvp though is gary mccord's mustache my goodness it's in fine form here uh, our feature pairings for the day, 20 minutes, 29 minutes into the broadcast, at least on the YouTube version. Uh, Greg Norman and Brad Faxon, Jeff Mager and Fuzzy Zeller, Steve Elgington and Cochran, Forsman Watkins and Longer and Beck. Some pretty interesting groups there. Yeah, there's a lot of, lot of good names, a lot of guys who have been uh, around it uh, at this point in time during uh, the, the PGA Tour uh era and uh yeah it was a, a lot of action happening in those feature groups uh, as they, they go down the stretch mm-hmm. and a couple guys who won't show up until the very end of their rounds but we'll get to that anyway mm-hmm. to the eighth hole longer's approach is about 15 feet away uh elgerton makes a putt to get the five under on, on the knife john daly just makes about one of the best putts of the week on the 12th just from 600 feet away also almost drains it for birdie he taps in to stay at minus five Beck's approach shot's a little bit lower, uh, closer than Longer's, who is being called Bernie by <laughs> McCord. <laughs> uh, Couples walks up on 18th. Uh, he ends up finishing his round a little bit shortly afterwards, uh, finishing tapping for bogey go for even of the week in a courageous title defense per Pat Summerall, who called him Fred Couple on the walk to the green. So Summerall might be slosh at this point. I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's late in the week. Give him a break. It's not 82, Mo, which was, well, walking into the butler cabin ceremony. <laughs> Listen to that episode for more context on that one. Um, anyways, uh, so we talked about Beck's approach shot there. On the ninth, Lanny Watkins in the trees for a second shot left of the fairway. He gets out of it and it's over the green. Uh, back to the eighth. Uh, Longer, who plays at the speed of a warm lava lamp per McCord, just mitches the edge on the right side. He taps over there for par. Forsman's approach shot on nine ends up on the top shelf of the green. On 15, Lehman's second shot. He's wanting some win, but that goes over the green. Meanwhile, Seve is doing things all of a sudden. He chips in off of the green on 14. Now he's kind of in the mix again at five under. Seve always around. <laughs> More on Seve shortly. He's always around. Mm-hmm. Back on eight. Beck has the right weight for the putt, but he just pulls it to the left. He taps in, so top two stay where they're at. Over on 15, Layman's chip shot is absolute pain and ends up on the fringe. Uh, also of nose, we get tee shots on nine. Uh, Longer's down the middle and Beck on the left-hand side. Beck with some big, uh, big sponsorships. Buick and Walmart. Yeah, I saw the Walmart. The Walmart was standing out. I was like, oof, that's a... Bold choice in 1993. Well, I was going to say, like, at that point, Walmart was kind of starting to expand a little bit because in the Sioux, this is, that's what you're here for, kids, Sioux St. Marie, Michigan, shopping history. Uh, I think Walmart showed up a couple years later, so I had would have had any idea what it was when I was watching. I'm guessing for you, I don't know when it showed up in Regina slash how often you've been south of the border. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't even remember my first Walmart. <laughs> anyway, to the ninth green, Forsman's putt isn't bad as he gets it close and taps in. Uh, stay, is it eight under par after nine? Coming back from commercial break, Watkins up and down for par to stay at minus five. Elkington's birdie attempt, which would have put him at six under on the tenth. My note here is just woof. It is bad. <laughs> yeah, it was not pretty there. Um, since we're waiting for Longer's approach shot, we get a bunch of guys shooting. <laughs> Layman makes a par putt in 15 to stay at 6 under. A wild Raven Floyd appears with his tee shot on 12. Uh, Forsman tee shot in 10, no mistakes there. 
Longer finally gets the club after six hours. He's 130 yards out. A nice job with some good backspin on it. Beck's approach shot is about 20 feet away to the right of the hole. More pain for Elkington on his par attempt. He drops to minus four. Peter Costas notes that the speed in the 10th green is out of whack. Over on 16, Lehman, who's made a lot of money in the last couple years in the tour, but still searching for his first win. That would come at the Memorial in 1994. He gets about... He's about 80 feet away from his approach on 16 to get the roll to the hole. Also, big 90s sponsorship. Power bar. Let's remember some bars. Um, Daily Powerade one. Yes. Daily with a birdie on 13 to get to 600. He's tied up Layman at 4th. Meanwhile, we talked about Seve. Let's see what's happening with him on the 15th. 70-yard pitch for Seve Ballesteros, who's backed off it once. He was in the left rough from the tee. And, oh, this hole has dealt scurvily with him. And there you see the, the ripples telling the sad story. He didn't even make it to the bank. Of course, in 1986, he dunked his second shot with a four-iron into the water when, unnerved by the roars of a claim for Jack Nicholas. But it was the tee shot that cost him back to nine. Sevy, what was that? Well, there goes that charge. <laughs> That was the end of it right there. <laughs> you can pinpoint the exact moment his heart breaks right here. <laughs> oh, man. Over on nine, uh, as we recover from Seve's pain, Beck's putt just goes past the right side. I think he was expecting to go more to left. He taps in to stay at minus seven. Uh, Floyd misses his birdie attempt on 12. Forsman on the 10th. Not a bad shot in a swirling wind to get to the right of the hole. About 20 feet away. And then Longer's putt, Ken Venturi just goes, No! As they push it to the left. And he stays at minus nine. So, as we head to the back nine, it feels like... I'm not sure what your perspective was watching this. It feels like that there's guys in the mix, but no one's kind of taking control of things at this point. Mark is so shook by my statement, he has left the building. I was on mute. Sorry. <laughs> um, seems like they've, they've gotten to uh, the point where they're putting pressure on longer, but no one really wants to take control and uh that might come back to bite them uh, as we move down the stretch here mm -hmm. and we'll get to that in a little bit uh back from the break layman gets it pretty close on 16 on his second uh, shot on his birdie putt attempt longer is down the left side of the 10th on his tee shot daily's have been 20 feet for birdie on 14 massive pain on layman's par attempt on 16 it just bounces right out of the hole he gets bogey and drops to minus five the elkington one's just a bad shot that's just pain <laughs> massive pain yeah, on layman <laughs> That's that's the one where you're cursing that like the next morning you're you're thinking about that shot still. That's when you're thinking about quitting the game and then you birdie seventeen. You want to get back to playing the game. Exactly. Over on ten, Forsen for birdie has the right line but not the right speed. Watkins, whose tee shot had hit a tree, gets par in the hole. It's not a bad up and down there. Uh, Payne Stewart, meanwhile, pars eighteen for a nice round of sixty nine and three under for the week. Nice. Over on eleven, we finally get our first footage of Russ Cochran shooting. Um, apparently Greg Norman was in and out of the pond, according to Vern. Thanks, Vern. 190 yards out, but about 4,000 feet away from the hole. Uh, kind of the same with Elkington on his shot there as you're trying to figure out the wind, under wind, I should say. Uh, on 14, Daly's birdie putt goes past breaking like the hole, breaking right to left. On 210 yards out for Becca, his second shot on 10, he ends up going to the sand of the right of the green. Longest approach shot ends up on the left side of the hole near the fringe. 
We come back from break. We find out that Sevy has double bogeys at 15. Welp. <laughs> we'll find out where Sevy finishes later on. Anyway, we mentioned Chip Beck hit the bunker. Here's that shot. Chip Beck has sized up the situation. Everything depends on his lie, which most of the time here at these bunkers is quite good. Oh, nicely played. Nicely played. Chip Beck and Bernhard Langer, I think, a perfect pairing for each other. They play similarly as we go to the 11th tee. All things considered, a pretty good shot out of the bunker there, Marcus. Beck gets it within a couple feet away. Yeah, he's uh, right alive then uh, with that one. Uh, it's, a, it's a nice recovery, especially out of that spot. Mm -hmm. A perfect pairing, says Peter Costas. Are you saying they're slow? I'm not sure what he's getting at. <laughs> they, they alluded a lot to the slow play, and it was atrocious near the end. Mm -hmm. More on that later. Uh, on 11, Forsman tee shot to the left side. On 17, Lehman, not a bad approach shot. Is looking to get back at 600, gets within 12 feet away. John Daly grips and rips on 15, but apparently he is five yards shorter than Brett Ogle's tee shot. Let's remember some golfers. <laughs> I saw Brent Ogle's name. I'm like, that is a blast from the past. <laughs> Longer's lining up a birdie effort uh, here on 10. A couple of things I noted. There is someone, um, there's a guy dressed in a Scottish flag, <laughs> coat in the crowd, and there's some old man mocking his putting grip <laughs> before he lines up the shot. <laughs> it, the putting grip needs to be talked about more, but it worked. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, as for that shot by Longer, pretty darn good attempt uh, to close in and get close and get some damage control there. And what could have been a tough situation? Over on 11, uh, Cochran bogeys to fall to minus wonder. Steve Elkington's up here. Vern goes, someone who's acquitting himself quite nicely here at Augusta. Elkington then misses the par putt. Vern, however, <laughs> after the loss, <laughs> that drops him to minus three. Oh, man. Back to Seve. He tries to catch the slope on 16 for birdie. Similar to Lehman. Nothing much going there. Uh, on 11, Forsman's approach shot from 210 out. Was looking good. Then ends up back bunker. Watkins to the right from 190 yards out. Not a bad shot. Was kind of going for where Forsman was looking. Uh, Lehman's attempt for birdie stays right. He's at minus 5. John Daly with a 7-iron just rips it and has one hand on the follow-through as he tries to stay dry. And it just does. Ben Wright... The hands of a blacksmith with a miracle feather-like touch around the greens. This is back in the day, kids, when Daly was just up and coming still. So This this was like peak Daly, like just swinging as hard as he can at every single shot and then living and dying on every single shot. He had some other good moments throughout the back nine. Mm -hmm, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, back on 11, um, Beck's tee shot down the left side. Watch out, fans, for longer shots going to the right. There's a guy with binoculars. I'm not sure where he's looking, but he misses the entire thing. <laughs> he's, he's, he's checking something else, though. <laughs> Over on 13, Norman's second shot. Absolute pain. He just shanks it into the water on a bounce. Greg Norman on Sundays at Augusta, you say? You hate to see it. <laughs> More than that. For Greg. <laughs> Uh, Ford with a pretty good shot out of the sand just to get a few feet away on his third shot. Daly not a bad chip on 15 to get a chance for birdie up the slope. Which, and this is what Mark was talking about, after a jump edit of some sort, he misses it. And he says it's 600. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, Daly's shooting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they cut between like multiple shots. It's 
Forsman gets his part, but to stay one off of the lead. Um, Elkington makes par to stay at three under on the 12th. Uh, over back to, well, after Layman shoots off the practice fair, we get a fair, fairly good bounce on the green. Back to 11th as Longer and Becker gain their approach shot set up. Vern, uh, we've used the word methodical for the way Longer approaches the game. You can say the same for Beck. Ken Venturi. Slow would be a good word, too. <laughs> They're not lying. <laughs> uh, like, I, thought, I thought some guys now play slow like this was... This, this, was, this was bad. <laughs> anyway, Beck's shot after three days. Uh, ends up right at the green. Watkins' tee shot on 12 is safe at the green. Daly's tee shot ends up in the bunker on the right-hand side of the... Over on the far side of the green on 16. Uh, Burrow Longer is finally ready, so let's check out his shot, and then we'll go straight to Dan Forsman's tee shot on 12. And after a rather lengthy wait, Bernhard Longer. 190 yards out, 6 iron. Turning ball. That's it. Oh, flag. Get on it. Oh, my. He's, he's safe. Dan Forsman at the 12th. Water. Not the first we've seen. Dan Forsman has found Ray's Creek. Bernhard Longer is safely on the 11th green, and he has a one-shot edge. So quite a bit happens here. Longer shot, he cuts to the left, but he's safe. Forsman, on the other hand, is not safe. Pain, brother, sploosh into the pond. That changes things quite a bit, Mark. Yeah, that's literally the, the big turning point of this whole afternoon. It uh, just swings right after that. Uh, things start to collapse, um, and it, it gets worse and worse from there. And it's interesting to see because Longer's playing so slow over on the other green. He's watching this all happen in front of him. Mm -hmm. um, over on 18, as we come back from break, Layman pars to finish at 5-under. Um, talking about the fact that he had started at 1-under, worked his way back up to get to 6 at some point, but then really nothing came from that. Uh, back with a really good chip shot uh, to set up his par putt uh, on 11. Forsman's next shot is also terrible. <laughs> he goes in the water again on his drop shot. Thanks for playing, kid. He, he was picking up and getting the ball from his caddy before that one even hit the water. <laughs> Longer's inches away from chipping in for birdie. Uh, he ends up parring the hole, stay at minus nine, but he's got a bigger cushion. Now Beck also taps in for his par to stay at minus seven, and now second outright. Over on 16, Daly is in the bunker. He finds the slope but a long uphill putt, which we cut to, and he just burns left edge, and that drops him to minus five. And that's the thing with John. Like, you look at some of the putts that he misses, and there's another one coming up here later. He shakes some of those. He's in the mix here as well. Yeah, he's he was really putting the pressure on and really just in the conversation the whole time, but just couldn't make that one putt to kind of get things rolling. It felt like if he makes one, there's there's some momentum rolling. Mm -hmm. Back for back on the 12th hole, uh, Forsman ends up with a, double, a quadruple bogey to fall to minus four. We then learned that Richard Zokel or as uh, Vern called them, Richie, had an 8 on Friday. Canadian content on our broadcast. <laughs> Gotta love it. Gotta get it on there at some point. 
after all of that, Lanny Watkins has a birdie putt on the 12. He's judged short. If he made that, would have gone to six under. Back in the 12 tee, back of a pretty nice shot that puts him in birdie range. And Longer, who I found out has been hosting a, a TV show in Germany all week with Franz Beckenbauer, of all people, ends up on the back green just off of the fringe. Fours with a nice tee shot on 13. I write, where was that a hole ago? <laughs> Uh, Cochran, a nice third shot from 70 yards out, and he gets birdie, gets a one under. Daly gets a pretty nice shot, approach shot on 17 to get the six to eight feet away. Uh, Ray Floyd reappears on 15 of his second shot going into the grandstands. Thank you for coming out, Ray. <laughs> Semi reappears on 18. Uh, he makes his part of finish of the week at two under and 171 for a day. Also, Corey Pavin makes his lone appearance on the broadcast. He makes part, also finishes one under for the day and two under for the week. Felt like they're checking off. Oh, we gotta show Corey Pavin. <laughs> Meanwhile, back to Daly, who just flings his putter onto the ground. He misses it to the right in his birdie attempt, kind of repeating what we said about earlier about missed opportunities. Yeah, and he was fiery. Uh, you, you could tell he was. He was. He knew he was right there, but uh, just couldn't get them to drop. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to after that point on the thirteenth, Lanny Watkins makes the green. He has two chances to get a birdie. There, obviously, eagle and a birdie. Also on the green to his foresman. We go to 12, Longer's chip shot. Vern just goes, well, as it ends up short and leaves him a tricky par putt. Anyway, speaking of putts, we now go to Beck's putt here. Uh, his attempt for birdie. Uh, I should note that only two birdies on the last three days on the 12th hole, from, I believe what they said in the broadcast. Let's we'll see if he can extend that. And chip back. For the moment, two back. That's not going to work, because that just goes right, and Vern just says, nope. Thanks, Vern. <laughs> He's getting paid by the word. Also, it was pretty windy, it seemed like, uh, from hearing from uh, the Saturday and uh, Sunday. It was, there was yeah. a lot of swirling wind, so that made number 12 pretty tough. Yeah, and that's what he said a lot going on 11th during guys coming up, like the Elkington's pairing and that kind of thing. They mentioned that guys are trying to figure out what club to use just because the winds are like. Speaking of putts, we now go to Longer's par putt, which Ken Venturi calls a must-make. Ken, any idea what this will do? You saw Chip Beck drift off to the right. I know he had a different angle, but I don't believe this will drift at all. I think this is dead straight, and this is just look at the center of the hole and hit it dead straight. He did. And there's a bit of a sigh of relief for Bernhard Longer, who remains for the moment two up. Chip Beck has this left for his par, and we go to 13. Right down the pipe, no mistakes for Longer. He's at nine under par and remains two up on Beck. Big putt for what comes next for him. Mm -hmm. Over on 13, Watkins is a 35-footer for Eagle. The right line, just not enough speed. Uh, he gets a birdie he's now alone in third at six under. Uh, Beck makes his par putt on 12 to stay two back. Norman at two over a one iron from 225 yards out. Hey, he did something. He's on the par five and two. Forsman's eagle attempt is short. He taps it on 13 to stay at five under. On 13th tee, back to the right side of the fairway, longer to the left side. 
Daly taps in for par to shoot at three under around the 69 and five under for a week. As we talked about already, Ken Venturi goes, John's one of many, Pat, that's going to be at home tonight saying, I could have won this tournament. Yep. Him, Lehman, Forsman, Elkington, yeah. Beck, half the field, basically. Yeah. Yeah, they were all right there, but then they just pretty much crowned Bernard Longer, who also, you know, played some good golf down the stretch, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norman tried to become the third guy to Eagle 15 this weekend. We saw Payne Stewart's earlier, or heard Payne Stewart's earlier, and Anders Forsband had one on Saturday. Uh, no chance of reaching that one, though. On 13, back for 230 yards out. Weisskopf says you have to take a chance, and he does so, making the green. Longer from 200 yards out, 185 to carry the water. Nearly the same spot is where his ball lands as Beck does, but a little bit closer. So two pretty darn good approach us as both guys are trying to make some big statements here. Well, an aggressive play from Longer, too, going driver instead of uh, instead of three wood. And he, he puts it in a good spot and gets a, a good look at Eagle. Mm-hmm. Uh, over on 14, Forsman's second shot. He knocks it a few feet from 140 yards out. Fuzzy Zeller finally makes an appearance on the program on 15. He makes the green in two. Uh, Lanny Watkins just gets on the green. His second shot on 14. Eagles so far this week on the 13th hole. In the previous two years, 11 and 15. This year, just one. Gene Sowers in the second round, who Ken Venturi tells us is a pretty darn good amen corner. He birdied 11 and 12 before Eagle in the 13th. Oh. That's about as good as you can play on the aiming corner. Did he make the cut? We'll find out later when we go through the tournament <laughs> results. Um, back on 14, Watkins almost drains a long birdie putt that would have gotten to minus 7. Beck's eagle putt has the right speed, but just misses it slightly to the right. Uh, Forsman gets his birdie to get the 6 under his tie for Watkins for 3rd, which brings us to Longer's eagle attempt for about 20 to 22 feet out. Can he slam the door and chip Beck's face? with this putt. Left flip at best. How about that drive? How about that second shot? And how about that putt? Wow, what a huge turnaround. That should give him the confidence to finish. Chip's probably wondering, what do I have to do? I didn't play that hole too bad, and I lost some ground. He nails that one to put it at minus 11. Beck taps his birdie putt in to get to minus 8. But yeah, probably... At that point, there's another moment that pretty much decides things going on. But at that point, that pretty much, as you look back on it, seals it for longer. Yeah, there was a lot of golf left to play and some, some holes where things can go wrong. But that uh, that really locked it up. I, I think everyone kind of knew that they weren't going to be able to catch him at that point. Mm -hmm. Steve Elkington on 15 for 235 yards out uh, gets it on just onto the fringe. Ben Wright says maybe the best-looking swing he's ever seen. Steve Elkington. Best-looking <laughs> swing. <laughs> I think that opinion would change in four years. <laughs> Over on 14, Longer's on the left side of the fairway, back down the middle a little farther up. On 16, why is Brad Faxon appearing all of a sudden? Well, let's find out. Brad Faxon from the right-hand bunker. Almost impossible to get the ball even close down this slippery slope. The huge break to the left that starts now. 
Whoa! What a birdie from Red Faxon. That visor reached quite an altitude as he goes to three under par. He's birdied the 13th, the 15th, and the 16th holes. Bernard Lunger by three over Chipbeck, by five over the nearest rival otherwise. Oh, that's why. From the bunker where Daly's was, he gets the slope and it rolls in. He makes that to get to minus three after birdie 13 and 15. We get back from the commercial break and Steve Elkington is back up for an eagle attempt. This is an eagle putt for Steve Elkington. Yes! Steve gets to five under par. From three, the second eagle of the day. Payne Stewart having made the other, and that is now 11 eagles for the week of the 1993 Masters. He makes that, and now he's at five under par, tied with Daly and Lehman for fifth. So Elgerton, like we said about other guys, making their charges here, but maybe a little too little too late. Over on 14, longer second ends up on the back of the green. Forsman of a two iron from 225 yards away as he makes that shot. Uh, ben Wright. Forsman, what a comeback here after that tough uh, 12 hole. Ball lands near the 17th hole. Ooh. <laughs> Just the ups and downs. <laughs> Just announcers curses of death all over the place. Yeah. Back seconds, he feeds down towards the hole on the approach shot. He gets about 18 feet away for birdie. Watkins is forced to lay it up, but he gets to the green. Fuzzy Birdie, 16 to get to two under. Elgerton safely on the middle of the green. Same with Cochran on 16. Beck pushes his birdie putt to the left on 14. He makes the par putt to stay at eight under. Norman gets on the green in two at 145 yards away. We're still showing Norman, I guess. People were punishment for pain here on this coverage. Um, longer off the fringe on 14. Just misses his birdie attempt to the right. He taps in. He's at 11 under par with four holes to go and a three-stroke lead. Not bad. Elkington on 16, not enough speed for the birdie. He stays at 5 under. On 15, Longer's going down the middle while Norman misses his birdie attempt. Gary McCord goes, Greg might be trying too hard in these majors. He just seems to get in his own way. Ever damn green. <laughs> that won't come back at all. That's never going to happen. <laughs> no. Uh, on 15, Beck's tee shot is 10 yards past Longer down the middle. Uh, we come back from break. We find out a Forsman is bogey. He drops down to 4 for the tie for minus five. Lanny's birdie attempt is short on the 15th. Uh, on 16th, both guys end up in the middle of the green. Longer from 250 yards out, he lays it up in the middle. Now, Beck, as we mentioned, is about 240 yards away. Let's see what he does. And Chip Beck, who's got 240 yards to the flagstick, and really, I suppose he's got to go for it, Kenny Venturi. Uh, you can't lay up now. There's no doubt, Ben. I think he has to go. That's the only chance he has to put some heat. If he makes eagle, he's 10. Bernhard makes par. They're one back. There's no doubt. There's no laying up here now. And he's very fortunate in that the wind has dropped completely, as you can see. No, I know. The flagstick is absolutely upright. The flag limp. Um... Let's lay up. Let's lay up. Let's be smart about it. Okay, that's fine. Whatever's on your mind. What's the yardage? 198 to the water. Let's see. That's normally a five-round one. Eighty. I don't know if we need that. I don't know if we need that much. Are we going left though? We're 
Ben, I have to go out on a limb and say, with laying up, he's protecting second place. It's a three iron, I believe. And he's just hit a little layup, as you say, Cameron Curie, and that plopped into a damp spot, too. Back to the studio. I write down here after that layup shot, well, what else is happening in sports today? Because that pretty much yeah. seals the tournament. As I wrote on the clip list that you got, the coward chip back. Yeah, that was like baffling that he was just like, no, I'm good. Not going to try this here. And it's like he's he's playing for second place. I'm like, does that really get you anything in 1993? No, like second place, he won $183,000. <laughs> it's not like, like you're getting FedEx Cup points or anything like that. No, it's, yeah. It, it was That was a questionable play. Um, seemed like someone who didn't just maybe the nerves got the best of them and uh, didn't have uh, in, in them to go for it. Mm-hmm. I, I I wrote down. I did actually look up and see what else was actually on at that time when the Masters was on. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a bunch of choices from that day. TNN showing an ASA stock car race or to replay the Winter Nationals Entry race. Global Toronto, which we got in the Sioux, was apparently showing the OHL Peewee Playoff, whatever the heck that is. I'm assuming that's awesome. what I'm assuming that's what the OHL Cup is, but I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure. Uh, ABC Flint was showing Tigers Angels. NBC Saginaw was showing the Supersonics and the Lakers, and TSN is showing something called the New Brunswick Cup, uh, which I believe is like an Olympic pre-tournament when the national team program existed. Um, El Salvador and Canada World Cup qualifier. I'm sure friend of the show Matt Groy was watching that, and the Toronto Maple Leafs Hartford Whalers game. So we had some choices as counter programming for the Masters. I would have flipped over to the Pee Wee tournament. <laughs> I'm not, I was going to say, and I didn't. I didn't look at the Regina TV listings, but I'm not even sure what you guys would have, or the Moose Jaw TV listings did say. Uh, but I'm not even sure what you guys would have got for American affiliates at that point. In talking with uh, Matt over the years, I think it, it'd probably be like the North Dakota stations. Uh, we were Detroit and Moose Jaw usually. Culture. You would have got some fine Detroit <laughs> news coverage. Anyway, yeah. listen to the USFL podcast for uh, Matt and I's discussion on Detroit Cable News. Back to the golf. Um, we get more kind of just golfers all over the place here. Faxon's second shot ends up on the top of the 18th. Lanny, Lanny Watkins' birdie time on 16 just dies out, and he is muttering to himself about that. Uh, on 15, Lawner's approach shot on his third pitch is out from about 75 yards out and leaves with about a 12-foot birdie attempt. Beck's pitch goes over the green. <laughs> Outstanding work. Ben Wright is mad. He goes really horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> and that looks rather foolish. Yeah, rough. <laughs> uh, I believe Watkins shanks his par attempt right after that, too, so that drops him down to that mess at minus five. He just here go, oh! <laughs> I think it's Elkington. But anyway. Uh, or not Elkington. I think it's Watkins. Uh, Elkington, yeah, a short birdie, gets the six under. He's alone in third place in 17. Uh, Forzer brings the close to his birdie attempt, and he makes tap in to go to minus five. Beck's fourth is a pretty darn good chip, but he gets a par. Well, he tried. <laughs> not very well, but he tried. Yeah. Still, still questioning the layup. Yes. Norman's birdie attempt on 18 goes to the left. Get me out of here, says Pat Summerall. 
pain brother for Norman. He goes at 77 on Sunday to finish at two over. Uh, on 15, longer now to pretty much put this sucker to bed. Now Bernhard Langer coming down the slope with a touch of break to the left. This for a four-stroke advantage. Yes! This man is really in control of his own destiny and now virtually in control of the Masters. I televised his first victory in England in 1980, the Dunlop Masters, when he bought a, a putter out of Clive Clark's shop at uh, Sunningdale for a five-pound note and uh, stopped the yips for the second time. He's had them again since. It's, uh, it says volumes for his courage and persistence that he's hanging in there. He drains it down the middle. Ben Wright starts remembering some 1980 Dunlop Masters tournament culture. Beck gets his par, but yeah, just, if it wasn't already over, it is now. I enjoyed Longer removing the visor to putt. Uh, after, I think it was 12, he started doing that. I don't know why, but <laughs> it was working. Uh, I'll continue. Uh, his shot goes into the left fairway bunker on 18. Forsen and Watkins both make the green in two. We now go to 16th and Longer's approach shot. 180 yards to the flagstick. You the man! Well, there's one idiot in every crowd. No, it won't come down very hard. But it's very, very safe. It didn't flirt with bunker water or the really steep downslope behind this green. Ben Wright mad at the guy yelling, you the man. <laughs> Masters in 1993, <laughs> summed up in one sentence. <laughs> um, Jeff Maggot reappears. His putt goes well right, and that's a pain finish for him as well. Beck also has some drunk-ass fan yelling. I couldn't understand what that fan was saying. No, it was it was It was nowhere near as good as the guy going, you the man. Uh, he ends up middle of the greens. We're basically just playing out the string at this point. Watkins misses a birdie on 17. Elgin hits another bunker on 18. Not a bad read of the slope for longer on 16 and a second shot. Elgin's third shot on the bunker goes over the hole. Payne continues for back on his birdie attempt as it's short. Par putt drops, and or shorten the birdie attempt. Payne on the par putt as well. That drops into minus 7. Elgin misses his par on 18 to go to minus 5. Longer's par 5, or... <clears throat> Longer gets par. He's a five-stroke lead of two strokes or two holes to go. Watkins' second shot. He's muttering to himself. Both Pat and Ken. I don't think he likes it. <laughs> and Forsman's also in the bunker on 18. Gary McCordon on 17 after Longer's tee shot. On the right of this is paraphrasing. On the right of Ike's tree is the Ross Perot tree. It just bothers a lot of people. Just insane political comments in 1993. No idea why yeah. McCord got blackballed after the 94 broadcast. <laughs> never, never would have thought that that would happen after that one. Uh, as I just finished reading things out here, uh, Watkins' birdie attempt is short on 18, which will close him on Beck. Long goes right in his approach at 17. Forsman's par on 18 is short. Uh, Beck gets a nice approach shot, has a putt for birdie. McCord, that looks pretty good. It burns the right edge. Oh, what do I know? Both he and Longer get par. Then 18th, Longer goes bunker to bunker on the fairways and goes right of the green. Beck just about makes a long birdie, but it's a par to finish at 70 for the day and minus 7 for the week. 
That brings us Longer's par putt here to finish. He stepped up a little faster here, Pat. He's getting he's getting ready for the presentation. He don't want to be late for it. They'll wait. Watch this. Watch this. Ooh. I had a feeling he might make that a little smile. Well, how about this? He bogeyed the first hole and bogeyed the 18th, and everything else in between was absolutely perfect. It is not often you smile after a miss, but you can if you're Bernard Langer and the I Masters champion of 1993. I really believe, Pat, that he really, after he got in the bunker, I think he really let down. I really don't think he was at the peak that he was for 17 holes. No question about it. And a popular champion, that is true. So there's the final round leaderboard. Langer finishes minus 11 and beats Beck by four. We'll be back with a presentation. He just misses that but gets the bogey and wins his second Masters. He wins it with the largest margin of victory since Seve in 1983. Which is shocking, but... Uh, not surprising the way the back nine played out here. Mm -hmm. You'll hear the aftermath at the end. Jack Stevens chats with Longer and Freddie Couples with Jim Nance. And as mentioned, no amateur uh, in this year's tournament making the final round. So we hear that a little bit later on. So your final standings. It's time for more Let's Remember Some Golfers here, Mark. Uh, Longer, as mentioned, with minus uh, finishing up at 11 under. Chip Beck at 7 under. Then at 5 under par were Steve Elkington, Tom Lehman, Lanny Watkins, and John Daly, who in the highlight package nearly killed a cameraman on his, sec on his tee shot on the 13th in the second round. And they're like, he followed it perfectly right into uh, himself. <laughs> uh, at 4 under were Dan Forsman, Jose Maria Olafabo. Olafabo, of course, would win the event for the first time in 1994. Brad Faxon and Payne Stewart at 3 under. Two under Raymond Floyd, Corey Pavin, Scott Simpson, and Fuzzy Zeller, along with Anders Forsbrand. He shot a 66 on Sunday. That's a low round of the tournament. At one under was... He's rolling on Sunday. Mm -hmm, and he had that eagle shot, which you still see in the highlight package as well, on the Saturday on 15. Semi Ballesteros, Mark Kalkovecchia, Howard Twitty, who was at the tournament for the first time since 1981, and Jeff Sluman finished at one under, even with Russ Cochran, Fred Couples, Sandy Lyle, Jeff Maggart, Larry Mize, and Marco Mira. One over were Nolan Henke, Hale Earl, and Joey Sindler. Two over par, Bruce Litsky, Andrew McGee, Jack Nicholas, Greg Norman, and Ian Woosnam. Three over par, Phil Mickelson. Hey, there's Gene Sowers making his second appearance on the program. He did make the cut. Guess that A-man corner helped. Also, Craig Stadler at three over. Jay Haas at four over. Keith Clearwater, who went six under over the last 11 holes on Friday to make the cut. Lee Jansen, Ted Schultz, and Duffy Waldorf at six over. Or at five over, I should say. Six over were Jay Don Blake, Nick Faldo, who shot a 67, rebounding from a 79 the day before, Bob Gilder, Joe Ozaki, Jumbo Ozaki, Craig Perry, and Tom Watson, uh, Gil Morgan, and Brett Ogle at 7 over. Ogle, the first guy to eagle two par fours in the same tournament. Colin Montgomery at 8 over, 10 over par, Ian Baker Finch, David Edwards, pre-tournament favorite Davis Love the third, Welp, and David Peoples. 11 over, Charles Cootie and Gary Hallberg. John Cook and John Houston were 13 over. Gary Player at 14 over, and Billy Andre at 15 over. Any thoughts there, Mark, on the field as we went through it? Uh, some wild 
finishes. Uh, a lot of people in the 80s in on uh, Sunday, so it was a it was a rough Sunday for some guys. Uh, Paldo with a nice finish though, but uh, yeah, a lot of guys you'd expect to, to be up top uh, kind of puttered out as you mentioned. Davis Love III was a, a pre-tournament favorite that didn't really work out. You look at some of the guys that missed the cut too. Uh, ben Crenshaw, Paul Azinger, right there as well. Mm-hmm. So of the three contenders, what happened to them after this tournament? Well, in terms of longer. Uh, he ended up finishing third at the 93 British Open, was also tied for third at the 2001 event. His best Masters finish was 2004 after winning the tournament, uh, sec- or fourth that year. And, of course, as we've mentioned in previous editions of this podcast, the oldest player to make the cut at the Masters in 2020. Beck was tied for 15th at the 94 Masters. That was his best finish in a major after 93. He also missed 46 straight cuts from 1997 to 1998. Seems bad. Pain. <laughs> Forsman's best result afterwards tied for 13th at the 96 US Open. As for the four guys were also in the mix, but then, but as the final round went on, but didn't win. John Daly, of course, is be- won the 1991 PGA Championship and was tied for 19th at the Masters 92. After 93 Masters, the only other type top five in a major tournament came in 1995 when he won the British Open at St. Andrews. He was tied for 29th at the Masters in 1996. Elkington was in his third Masters at this point. This was his best major result to date. Previously, he was a tie for second in 1991. He tied for fifth in the 1995 <clears throat> excuse me, at the 1995 Masters. Won the PGA Tournament, PGA Championship in 1995. Uh, was also in the mix of several other majors along the way. Tied for second in the 0-2 British Open and tied for second in the 5 PGA Championship. Uh, this was Lehman's first trip to the Masters. He finished a tie for six at the 92 U.S. Open, was second in 94 to Olaf Fauble, had a strong run of form at the U.S. Open from 95 to 98, third, tie for second, third, tie for fifth, won his only major 96 British Open, and was sixth to 2000 Masters. As for Lanny Watkins, a PGA champion, PGA championship winner in 1977, uh, he was tied for third to Masters in 90 and 91, and was tied for second at the U.S. Open in 86, also in the mix of the PGA Championship a couple times during the decade. This is really it for him at Majors. He was tied for 14th at the PGA Championship in 93, tied for 18th at 94 Masters, missed the cut in 95, and that's pretty much it. So of those seven guys there, Longer, Beck, Forsman, Daly, Elkington, Lehman, and Watkins, Mark, any thoughts? Well, Longer probably had the, the most successful, maybe not you know, wins-wise on the PGA Tour or majors after this, but uh, probably the most longevity uh, after the, this tournament uh, as he's been, you know, the dominant force on the on the senior tour since then as well. Um, John Daly, obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> kept doing John Daly things after this and then uh, was stayed definitely in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, as we wrap up the 1993 Masters, is this an event that's worth going back to watch? I don't think so. <laughs> it, it was kind of a like the slow play from Longer and Beck, and uh, just him pulling away kind of he took away the excitement. But if you want to go see Forsman collapse on twelve and and Longer stick the the knife down the throat uh, on thirteen, go watch those two holes, and and that's about uh, all I would suggest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like I said. It, there's way better masters to watch. I mean, it's interesting to see it just in the fact of you know. Certain guys being in a mix and act kind of thing, but yeah, if it, ha- I mean, not that TSN would ever show the '93 Masters in the lead up to a tournament, but <laughs> if it's on, it's worth having you on in the background. But yeah, there's better tournaments to go back and watch. Yeah, I, I would agree. All right, well, Mark, thanks for doing this once again. We finally got '93 Masters off the books. Uh, we'll have you back on here at some point along the way here during the course of the year. 
Uh, we'll leave the Masters for some time being. I have a few things in mind uh, for you, myself, and Matt to do along the way here. But we'll discuss that probably when I see you guys in March. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And uh, thanks for having me uh, to talk about the Masters again. All right. If you want to hear Mark's other appearances on the program, you can find those by searching for the Let's Remember Some Sports podcast on Spotify, TuneIn app, Apple Podcasts, whatever you use. Also directly to the show, anchor.fm slash lucas-punkari. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again soon. In golf, there's no feeling quite like it. Bernhard Langer has won the Masters for the second time as we bring you into the Butler cabin. And it's my pleasure to introduce the chairman of the Augusta National Golf Club, Mr. Jack Stevens. And uh, Mr. Stevens, this year with a harsh winter, somehow your crew managed to get this place in just immaculate shape. Well, they did it by working all night Friday and had the golf course in great shape for early play on Saturday. It's a good crew. We're proud of them. A couple of guys I know you're also proud of. We want to introduce the 1992 Masters champion, Fred Couples, who will present the green jacket in a moment to Bernhard Langer and Bernhard Langer, the champion. Uh, missing this year, an amateur. Four amateurs competed in the Masters. Not a one of them made the cut, but that's part of the heritage here at Augusta National. Yes, I think we've always been kind of partial to amateurs. As you know, we were founded by Bobby Jones, the great amateur of all times. And we will always have amateur representation. It's a wonderful tradition. Uh, Bernhard, uh, your second victory here. You started today with a four-shot lead. You told me last night that you would not look at a leaderboard the first nine holes. Did you ever realize that Dan Forsman was within one? I looked after nine holes. I wanted to know what was going on, whether I had to continue to play aggressive or not. And I played aggressive all day long. Uh, two, I hit two bad shots on number one and on 17, both nine irons which uh, on one I aimed it away from the flag, but all the other times I hit right at the flag. You know, at 11, talk about a shot where you played boldly. You, uh, you hit it left of the hole and made par at 11. Now here is your second shot at the 13th. Tell us about it. Well, I hit a perfect drive around the corner and uh, three iron, which also went exactly where I aimed it. And I rolled to about 22 feet, uh, just inside of Chipek's ball. I saw his speed and what his ball did. I had a good idea. I, I hit, uh, potted about two inches left of the cup, and it had just the perfect speed and the perfect line. I'm not sure you're aware of it, but that's only the second eagle. That was the second eagle of the entire tournament at the 13th. Usually, so many more there. Now, this is your second green jacket. You're about to receive your second green jacket. Does it feel any different winning this tournament right now than it did back in 85? No, it's, uh, it's always very special. It's, uh, it's a great honor to win the greatest tournament in the world, and uh, it, uh, especially on uh, Easter Sunday when uh, my Lord was resurrected.